Welcome to Engaging Culture Podcast presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. I'm Pastor Lance Hahn, and in today's episode, my co-host Brian Kiley, pastor here at Bridgeway and Director of Connections and Communication, we're joined by our special guest, Alex Weiss, Senior Pastor of Vita Church in Sacramento. Vita is a primarily Spanish-speaking congregation that ministers to the Hispanic community. In today's episode, the three of us will be talking about the issue of immigration in the United States, specifically the immigration from Spanish-speaking countries like Mexico. We will be talking about how to think through this controversial hot topic and see it through the eyes of Christ and discuss a healthy Christian perspective. We'll also spend some time talking about what real life looks like for those who have immigrated illegally and bring some light to their situation. We have all that and more on this episode of Engaging Culture. Well, hello, everyone. This is Pastor Lance Hahn. Let me take a moment to introduce uh, our co-host and our guest. So my co-host is somebody that you know very well. That is Pastor Brian Kiley, Connection to Communications Director here at Bridgeway. Hi, Brian. Hey, Lance. How's, how's it going? It's going actually very, very well. All right. Yes. Uh, we have a guest here, so I'm more interested in him than you. I don't I'm just blame, pointing that out right you. now. Uh, so with us is Pastor Alex Weiss of Vita Church in Sacramento. Alex, hi. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm excited to be here with you guys. Good, 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 good. All right. So everyone has asked me your last name, right? So every time I say it, <laughs> Alex Vice. Yes, that's, that's, that's oh, I've heard it all. <laughs> okay. So is it one of those things where you have to say, well, technically it's this, but y'all will screw up my name anyway, so I'm going to call it Vice. Is it Vice or is it Vice? <laughs> no, it's Vice. Okay. Because. AI in Spanish is like you're saying the the pronunciating the I, you know, okay. vice, like vice president and yes. vice grip and so okay. AI has that. <laughs> okay. It's like it's four letters. How how, how hard is that? Yeah. You know? But apparently we're right. trying it, to complicate it. It's because AI in English, that diphthong is is interesting, you know? It's like how do you yep. do that? I E I S A's. So you have to actually read it in Spanish. To be able to pronunciate it right, right to make sense, yeah. yeah. I'm just glad we got the word diphthong into the podcast. Wow, yeah. that's <laughs> impressive. I, I have not heard that word since Greek classes in seminary. So yeah, thank you nobody for that. says that. That's, that's awesome. It's a the whole episode is a win just it's for that. It's a win. Um, and and real quick before we even get rolling, tell us a little bit about Vita Church because you you're pastoring that with Liz, right? Your wife. Yep, that's correct. So tell us a little bit about Vita. Well, we planted Vida uh, nine years ago. We're actually going on 10 years. And uh, it was primarily a Spanish-speaking congregation. Uh, in the last three years, we've kind of morphed into full bilingual uh, because of the younger generations. You know, the younger generations speak Brilliant. more English. And then we've gotten more interracial couples coming in, bicultural couples coming in. So we've uh, had the need to be full bilingual, Spanish and English, just simultaneous going on. Even our worship, everything. Like if you'd walk in, you'd be like, "Okay, there's two things going on at the same time." It's like wow. kind of that's awesome. You know, that's cool. Impactful there. Uh, so is it is it translated or are you just flipping back and forth? Uh, it's it's mostly translated, but we do flip back and forth at times, and so it doesn't matter if you don't speak Spanish. We got you covered. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> or if you don't speak English, we got you covered. In other words, right we're just going to kind of go back and forth. So awesome. um, You've also, I think, like every other church, you've had to move a couple different times. Where are you right. guys at right now? Right now, we are on Old North Sac, which is almost going into the Del Paso Heights area, uh, for those that know Sacramento. Um, we're right on Del Paso Boulevard. Uh, I'm almost on the intersection of um, Arden. So between Arden and El Camino, we're on Del Paso Boulevard. Uh, so right, I know exactly where that is. Oh yeah, yeah. All the time. Um, and and by the way, for all of you listening, uh, Liz is extremely gifted. She's a pretty brilliant communicator, and that um, she is. so she um, 
she's pretty hardcore leader in her own right, right. regardless of her attachment to you. <laughs> right. <laughs> she, let's just put it this way. She practically runs the church. That's um, exactly right. I just yeah. go there to preach. <laughs> yes. And when he says practically, he means she runs the church, Actually, not kind of runs no, the church. she runs the church. You're she right. She runs yeah. the church. There the we go. Practically not really necessary. Though. Yeah, right. I, think that's, I think that's fair. Um, and then you also have uh, some kids. You have some sons. Right. I have three boys. Uh, Uh, 17-year-old Caleb, he's about to turn 18 this coming month, September. And uh, um, Nathan's 15, and my youngest is Jared, who is nine years old. And which one's our worship guy? Uh, Caleb, the oldest. (laughs) Okay, right on. Right on. I got a chance to uh, go down to L.A. with Alex uh, not that long ago. Um, we went to a conference. Well, I guess it is a long time ago. It feels like it wasn't that long ago, but it's probably a year ago. Yeah. Um, and so we got a chance to go down and drive all the way down to L.A. And and I love stories. And so I kept trying to ask him <laughs> stories. He was telling me stories of he's like, have you ever heard of so-and-so? I was like, no. And so then he would tell me And, this and, whole and I love story. to tell there stories, you so you could imagine. Dude, it was so much fun. <laughs> anyway, that was a great trip. That's I had fantastic. a blast. It was awesome. Um, all right. So let's let's dive into this issue because this is – this is not theoretical for you. This is very personal. Right. And for unfortunately, for a lot of our listeners, it has still remained very theoretical. Mm-hmm. And we've had a lot of rhetoric thrown at us about the issue of immigration. And there's a lot of political weaving. And there's a lot of um, conversation that's being had that's not very healthy about the issue of immigration. And I, I don't want to be rude, but... When you're in it, you you don't feel like you have a whole lot of patience and time for theoretical rhetoric. It's right. kind of like, you know what? This is frustrating to me. These are people that I love. This is someone that I engage with on a daily basis. These are real lives. This is not a stat. And so uh, uh, involving you, I think that what Brian and I talked about a little bit before is we're going to try. It's hard for both of us as talkers. We're going to try to... <laughs> fade a little bit into the background and listen a bit more than than talk. So we're going to try to lead you in some questions to where you can shed some light. I think that everyone goes, well, there's a lot of perspectives. Well, right now, we would like to focus on the perspective God is breathing through you, what you've seen, what you walk with. I know your heart. I know that you're a good man. I know that you are a defender of the defenseless. I know that... You also are a man of wisdom. You're not looking at this ignorantly in any way. Um, and so, therefore, we felt we wanted to bring you on to speak some truth and uh, at least more clear information so that our listeners can maybe make a more educated decision about some of the pieces. I, I, we're not going to pretend that in one short hour we're going to suddenly figure out and talk about all the issues of immigration. <laughs> That's absurd, right? No, no. Um, but I do want to start uber basic, and that is with the question. Um, there is a, a lot of us grew up here, and we are constantly bombarded by the problems in America. And, oh, what about this? And we have this going on. And what about this administration all this? And these people are being hunted, and this is going— why would anyone want to immigrate to America? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like we keep talking about immigration, and you're like, is it a thing? It seems so dangerous. It seems so expensive. It seems so frustrating. Right? Why would you, Why would you go so much? Yes, to come here. Can you give right. us some insight on that? Uh, in the first place, uh, immigration is close to my heart. It's personal. Not because I'm an immigrant, but because my mother was an immigrant. Mm -hmm. She came from Mexico, Monterey, Mexico, when she was 18. Um, She had to go through the struggles, uh, as every immigrant does when they first arrive. And uh, years later, she married my dad, went into the ministry. It was an amazing, long story that we could drive a long way and talk about, Lance. <laughs> we can go on another drive and talk another about that drive. story. Yeah. Road trip. But it, it was so personal for me because growing up with my mom's experience as an immigrant, uh, it was very different for me. Uh, I understood what I had in the sense of being an American citizen, but yet hearing from my mom, seeing the limitations that she had, the kind of jobs that she could get, uh, the kind of jobs she couldn't get, um, the struggles that she had language-wise, cultural, 
there's so many challenges that she went through personally. But one thing that my mom always had was a love for this country. She loved this country so much. And she did her best basically to do everything the right way. And when I saw that personally up close with my mom, it was a pattern that I began to see also as years later we took on the church and we got put in our hearts to minister to the immigrants and in particular Latin Americans. And uh, we seen that pattern reoccurring again, these people sacrificing so much to come. Uh, and going through the challenges, but yet always wanting to do things right. They're not, they're not criminals <laughs> for the most part. They're not, right. and they're not people that you know should be looked at as illegals. Um, and the reason why I say that is because that's not how they see themselves, right. and that's not how God sees them. Yeah. And so, and they don't come over here because they want to break the law. On the contrary. Uh, within their communities, they're the most law-abiding people <laughs> because right. they don't want to get caught, uh, basically. So they, you know, they do everything as best as they could, as law-abiding as they could. But what they really desire and want is the process to be much more fair for them to be able to become legalized. They don't want to be here in an illegal status or an undocumented status. But that's, you know, for later, of course, as we talk um, through this uh, podcast uh, program. Yeah. So, so that, yeah, brings up a question that I wanted to ask, which is, I think wherever anyone stands on the issue of immigration, illegal immigration, there's many different sides and many different facets. If there can be one area of agreement amongst most perspectives, it's that the system is broken in right. some way. There are very few people that would say, I feel like the immigration system is just humming on all cylinders right now. Now, you just talked about how those that are here that are undocumented, that are here illegally, they don't want to be here illegally. And the common argument from maybe those who would favor stricter enforcement of immigration laws would say, well, just you need to just come into the country legally. Why not just do things the, the quote unquote right way, the legal way? Right. It's not that simple. And the fact of the matter is, because the system is broken, a lot of folks that are here illegally just don't have the option of trying to come in legally because of brokenness in the system. Can you speak to that a little bit? Well, they would love to leave the country to come back in legally, right. but they know that if they would do that, they probably never would be able to come back in. And the reason why is because of the system being broken. Uh, and many of them already being here have tried and have been unsuccessful, and either it be through the minor, most minor error that would occur, either it be through the lawyer, maybe not filing a certain document, maybe even the judge having a bad day. I mean, I'm serious. Yeah. Something as minor as that, it becomes major, because then it throws off the entire process where these people have spent years and money mm -hmm. to be able to become legalized. Then they have to start all over again from uh, square one, and, you know, and that's another thing with the money wise, you know, the threats of being deported, especially now with the new administration, uh, you know, it's it's terrifying for them. Mm -hmm. It's terrifying. So they're trying their best uh, to do what they can to be uh, documented. Um, but the problem is, again, is that we have this system, the way it's, the vetting is, the way the process is, uh, you never know what you're going to get. It's like a, to a coin toss. You don't know. If you're going to get a good process or not, if all the things are going to align, like the lawyer, the process, the documents, the judge, all of those variables are, are so huge. That's the reason why a, a reform is so needed, mm -hmm. a comprehensive reform that all of the um, immigration system, that it, could, it needs to be reformed so that it'll be practical where there's an actual step one, step two, step three, not step one. 1A, 1B, 1C, kind of, yeah. and then it gets mixed up depending on where you're at, depending on what kind of judge you get, depending on what kind of process you're in. It's it's incredibly confusing, mm -hmm. and it's incredibly challenging for the immigrant. Yeah. I, I think that a lot of times when we are dealing with it theoretically and not dealing with it practically, you look, and on paper, it'll say there's a process. And I think a lot of people go, well, you can follow that process. Right. But I, I think that everyone has had an experience where you go in assuming one thing and the whole thing gets hijacked. And all of a sudden you're going, what? I thought it was easy as one, two, three, four. It's just not. And all of a sudden right. there's complications. And the other part, I think that a lot of people that desire to protect their families, help their families, 
they're not starting with tons of money. No. And so you start out very, very poor, and you walk into a system that's extremely expensive, and then you're looking at waste money over and over and over. Right. I filed this fee, and they said, well, it's not that. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Then you file another fee, and then you file another fee, and the, you don't have that money. So even just trying to get into the process is putting you in debt and right. putting you further down. Well, it, it, it's a system that's really pitted against you. <laughs> Absolutely. It's like we don't want you in our country. That's yes. the whole uh, uh, what's at the men- the mentality, the perspective, or uh, not the perspective, but the purpose of it, right? Of the reason why there's so many hurdles is because we want we don't want you here. That's the mentality of the immigration system. Um, and I wanted to answer your question. Then why make such sacrifices to come yeah. here? Why do you want to come to this nation? Well, where you're coming from, I think that if we would we were placed in their situation, <laughs> we would be talking about doing the same thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, either it be through, you know, there's some of those cities that uh, the the violence and the crime is so high that many of them they don't want their kids to be growing up in those type of environments. Those types of environments, extreme poverty, uh, just uh, the 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 opportunities for even jobs. All of these things come into play when you're looking at Mexico and other Latin American countries which are third world countries. So these people are thinking that when they come to the U.S., they're going to have a better life. And even if they don't, even if they understand that they're going to have to sacrifice a lot, they're thinking of their children and and their generations to come. They're willing to take the hits so the future is brighter. Right, right. And because they they want to see their children thrive and be successful. And in many ways, I'm, I'm a product of that. My mom came as an immigrant, and I'm a product of you know, what it is to be able to be born and have a better future. When I visit my family back in Mexico, I see the struggles and the challenges, and it makes me become grateful that my mom, you know, did come to the United States and sacrificed really everything to be able to do that and get a new life here. Yeah. Well, thank you, Alex, for that that perspective. Um, So here we are. We are three pastors right? Uh, we love Jesus. We're trying to look through this lens, um, which is, what is our, where do we start with? Because I, I think that, I think that not only are we Christians, but we're leaders. And if we're leaders, that means we're thinking not just about ourselves. Like, for example, you and I and Brian, we don't have the freedom to just go, well, that's just my opinion. We influence a ton of people. We can't just have an opinion. You have to think through all the sides of an issue, and you got to think about the ramifications. And and so, but we know that we start at the heart of how would Jesus handle this situation. And I think that what this brings up is the starting point for any believer. I think, and this is something that Brian and I talk about a lot is we have to have understanding. We have to create understanding. What would Jesus do? Jesus would listen deeply. What would Jesus do? He'd be in, there in understanding and go, listen, you got my compassion right off the bat. You're not, you don't have to earn that. I'm already with you in compassion. I'm already with you in mercy. I'm already saying, what can I do to help? Because I am with you in the situation. Now, once we begin at that place, we also have to think through the ramifications of going, okay, well, what would he do through this system? Well, what would he do through this system? Does he, you know... I don't know I don't know all the answers to that but I do think and I would love to hear from you Alex where should we begin when you think of the issue of immigration and Jesus what's the foundation where are we starting from well you're Christian the Bible amen <laughs> the timeless truth of God uh, and many times we don't do that <laughs> we tend to go with what our political party says yes. or mm-hmm. you know uh, what you know, the political atmosphere is, is is saying or against or for however the situation is and how it's been and how it's divided this nation. Um, but yet the challenge that I have is how the body of Christ continues to fall into the trap of the division that's occurring in our nation instead of going back to the Word. And, uh, and when we go back to Scripture, when we go back to the Word, this is where I always go back to and saying why— and asking the question, why I do what I do? Why do I minister to immigrants? And most of them, or a good 60% of them, are undocumented. 
So it's like, am I doing what's right? I've gotten criticized. Oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. People have told me, you're doing illegal activities by doing what you're doing. It's like, no, I am basing <laughs> myself on what the Word of God has said and the call of God on my life. Uh, and when we go back to Scripture, we see it in the Old Testament, we see it in the New Testament. When God uh, gave the laws to Israel, he talked about the foreigner, the immigrant, to be able to love them, to be able to care for them, because he loves them. And he said, you got to remember that you were also foreigners yourself. And he stated this to generations, for generations to come, mm-hmm. of Israelites. Why? Because he wanted them to understand that in the first place, he's given them the, the privilege and the grace of a territory, but to be able to steward it and have doors open and welcome people in the way the Lord brought them into the land, the promised land. Um, and then he talks about this. Now, he takes it a step further in the New Testament. Of course, Matthew chapter 25, when you read that, when Jesus is not just talking about you loving your neighbor, he said, if, or, or loving your, um, your, the immigrant, he said, if you have welcomed the immigrant, you have welcomed me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he takes it a step further. See, this is the kingdom of God. This is the new covenant. The new covenant is just, it's beyond. It's like how he said, I give you the new, a, a new commandment. Don't just love your neighbor as yourself. Love each other as I have loved you. He takes it a step further. In the same way with the immigrant, he takes it a step further. It's not just you loving and caring. Now it's you're welcoming the immigrant. And when you do that, you're welcoming me. So it's just powerful imagery, powerful truths that the Lord gives us. Um, and of course, how do you reconcile this with the law, the rule of the of the law here in the land? And how do we honor, you know, the whole Romans chapter thirteen thing? You know, how right. do we honor the laws? And but one thing that I've always learned is that uh, whenever Scripture supersedes the laws of the land. We, we have to understand there is a way of civil disobedience, <laughs> the, mm-hmm. of civil disobedience, peaceful disobedience, but we have to resist laws that go against the kingdom of God and the truths of the kingdom of God. And when I mean resist, it's not we're going to cause a revolution or <laughs> we're going to take arms and none of that, but we have to speak into culture. We have to speak the truth of God into culture so that transformation and change could begin in the hearts of people. Uh, and we're not, we can't just say, well, that's the law. That's just the way things are. And we have to, you know, respect yeah, that. Who's setting the laws? Right. Exactly. And if we're in a democracy, aren't we partially responsible for setting the appropriate laws? That's true. Right. right? Yeah. Um, so let me ask a, a little bit further in there. But just when, when scripture is talking about, you know, bringing in the foreigner and everything, a lot of that. Um, God has a very high value on hospitality, a very right. high value on welcoming in, and a very high value on sharing. Um, at the same time, I think that there's another side of the argument that I would love for you to speak into where there's also a practicality thing. Like, for example, um, and, and we'll get to this a little bit later, but for example, um, there's a certain degree to where I don't think God was saying, you have to do everything. You have to invite everybody in. You have to do all this into your own home. I don't know if that's necessarily what he's saying. So you start going, well, is it a scriptural mandate or is it more of a wisdom principle? Because where does that lie in terms of saying, okay, we're going to have an immigration process for America. We're going to let some people come in. And how would Jesus speak into that? So... Uh, you understand where I'm going with this? I'm right, almost totally. getting a little bit lost here, but no, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> okay. You. I'm so you. help me, because once again, let's return back to Scripture. What is God's heart on this kind of thing? Does God's heart say everybody needs to be wealthy? No. Does God's heart say everybody has to live here? No. But God's heart does have all these core values about uh, protection of mm-hmm. other people, mm-hmm. sharing what you have, generosity, uh, mercy. But help us out a little bit. How do you navigate that whole thing? Because we're not talking about it's in our it's we're not talking about everybody has to have the same things. We're it's not a socialism system, right? But at the same time, there's a generosity and kindness, right? How, how do you walk that? Well, in the first place, uh, I do believe we do have to protect our borders. Absolutely, I, I do believe that, uh, and I do believe that if you are going to cross over. Uh, illegally, there has to be some type of 
consequence for that. But yet at the same time, I believe that the process has to be enough for the person to be able to go from A, B, C, you know, to A to C. And there's a process for that. And the people are willing to do that. Yes. The immigrants are really willing to do that. Um, so I, and that helps the vetting system, you know, that helps to see if, you know, the, the, those who are criminals, those who are, you know, coming to, 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 you know, hurt others to, you know, do, uh, evil crimes and so forth, so on. Uh, we have to be aware of that definitely. But the majority of the immigrants that are here, yes, you know, the numbers of the 12 million, uh, a s- very small percentage are those that have, you know, done crimes and those that have done felony crimes. There's a small percentage most of the people, as I've stated before, they're not here to be criminals. <laughs> they're not here to be breaking laws. But at the same time, they've come because they're looking for a better life. They're looking for uh, a better future for their children. So uh, to be able to to manage this, I think that's the point where the wisdom of God comes in. Because we have to be generous. We have to be compassionate. We have to be, but but we have to be wise, too. Where we have to understand that, okay, I'm going to help you out. I want to open my doors. I'm going to welcome you in. But at the same time, there are some healthy boundaries that we got to put. So that way people, first, aren't here just to take advantage. I get that. Second, they're not here to abuse systems. And for the most part, they're not. Mm-hmm. But yet at the same time, we have to use wisdom so that people will be able to develop a um, just a, a, a healthy uh, way of looking at things when they come in and receive help. It's a way of getting on your feet. And many of them are hard workers. That's another thing, too. Many of them, they're not coming in here to take advantage of systems or even take jobs. Right. <laughs> they are here to work. Yeah. And for the most part, they're taking jobs or not taking jobs, but they're doing jobs yes. that other people are not willing to do. Yeah. So I so much of what you said there was so fascinating to me, Alex, because uh, here you are talking about uh, your own work with undocumented immigrants, your own passion for seeing for for creating a, a path for for you haven't used these words, but essentially a path to citizenship for for folks that are right. here uh, in an undocumented way. But at the same time, you started off your comment by saying we need to protect our borders. I've, it, it is so amazing to me, just in my own personal life, study, books I read, my own just attempt to be a nuanced and thoughtful thinker, thoughtful thinker, how about that, <laughs> is, is there's so much pressure in a wide range of issues to make issues simple. Are you for or against it? And, and yet there's so many issues in, in society today where we just can't do that. Like, for example, we had Kurt Lewis on two weeks ago, and I've been very passionate and outspoken uh, about the refugee issue, about the United States welcoming in refugees. I've spoken out against the travel ban, things of that nature. Right. And, and I've taken a lot of heat for it. And it's interesting that I've had people literally come to me and say, well, you know, do you really think open borders are a good idea? And I said, no, I don't. Right. I don't think that at all. Like right. there's there's a there's a position in here that's that's between right. full. Let's round up everybody and get them out, and then full. Let's just open it up and whoever wants to come in. So so here's my question to you. There's so much pressure towards simplicity. There's there's so much binary thinking, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that we view these issues politically. So are you conservative or liberal? And you know that doesn't help. It's it's not a helpful way of looking at it. Scripture will help us think with with wisdom and compassion. We know this to be true. So my question for you is, how do we go about getting kind of more nuanced thinking about these issues kind of into the public discourse so that more of us can be influenced less by kind of these extremes of I'm fully in favor of this or fully against it and, and more in a way that helps us look at the need to say, for example, protect our borders on the one hand, but welcome in undocumented uh, individuals on the other hand. How can we go about doing that in a, in a healthier manner? Uh, I think what Lance was saying at the beginning of this uh, podcast was how we as leaders influence. And uh, I think first and foremost, we as leaders have to be able to take a, a position, a biblical position, a balanced position, and be able to teach our congregation these uh, these topics. You know, these themes. They're they're you know sometimes people avoid them altogether because they don't want to 
create controversy in their congregation or in their pulpits. Or in, but yet they're such a part <laughs> of what the gospel is about. You know, Jesus came for the least of these, and we have to be able to do the same. If we're going to talk about the gospel, we have to take into consideration all of these things. And I think that one of the key things here is we as leaders, and I'm speaking uh, about myself, I always have to come back to Scripture and say, okay, this is happening in the world. This is happening in my nation. This is happening in my city. How does this align with what God has said? And yet, even at the same time, I have to challenge my own theology. Because many times I'm looking at Scripture through my theological lens, and I'm not even challenging that. So... I think it's so key to be able to go back to Scripture, but at the same time challenge your theology with other people that are actually working with immigrants. Like this podcast is a great way of doing that. So that way we can open ourselves up to to be able to embrace more than one perspective or two or three, but we can open it a little bit more and challenge our theology. You know, people are afraid to do that. We don't want to open up to do that. No, because, you know, then we're going to lose our— our, our, you know, the, the, our theology. We're going to lose our, 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 the way we think, and we don't want to do that. We don't open ourselves up. Well, what if you do, and something good comes out of it? Yeah. What if God really wants to use a totally different perspective to tear down a paradigm that we have yeah. that has been holding ourselves or uh, hindering ourselves from loving others, and specifically loving the immigrant? Right. And and a paradigm that is worth holding is a paradigm that's going to stand up to scrutiny, right? Right. And if I'm holding a paradigm that can't hold up to scrutiny— Man, let's scrutinize the heck out of that thing right. so I can get rid of it, <laughs> right? I want to move on to something, move on to something better. Right. Um, now, Lance has brought this up. Obviously, this is this is a completely not theoretical issue for you. You have, uh, especially as it pertains to current policy around immigration. In fact, there was an article that you were uh, featured in in the Los Angeles Times talking about. Uh, ICE agents even appearing uh, appearing at your church and kind of the challenges that you you faced with that. I mean, that is an understatement of the day. But <laughs> talk a little bit about how you've tried to walk your church through kind of the current immigration climate and what that's been like for you and for your congregation. Wow. Uh, since last year, um, and I should say even since the elections, mm-hmm. uh, I've been preparing our congregation for what could happen. And I don't want to say the worst. I'm not, you know, I want to inspire hope in our people. But at the same time, there's a reality that they continually live. There's a fear of being detained and deported. There's this fear. So many times the trips that they would usually take, they stop taking. Um, If they're going to be out, they're going to be out just really quick and come back home. Uh, There's so many um, variables that are going on uh, now in, in their lives now since the new administration because they're afraid. They're afraid to be separated from their families. They're afraid to be separated from their spouses. So it's a big challenge with what we're, what's happening in our congregation. Another challenge is what's going on with the Deferred Action for Child Arrivals, the DACA, mm-hmm. um, where many of them through the last administration, they received work permits and really in, in some ways kind of... Uh, a small foothold of being able to get into the process of, you know, um, becoming uh, legalized. And now, from what we're hearing through this administration, that that's going to be removed. So there's even more fear. (laughs) There's even more fear of deportation. And we were talking about protecting our borders, but what about those that are already in here? See, and I think that those are the things that we need to really take into consideration, especially those that were raised here. Like, what are they going to do back in Mexico or any other Latin American country that they originally came from, but they weren't raised there? It's like most of them, they don't even speak, you know, good Spanish. (laughs) You know, some of them do, some of them don't, but yet the culture is completely different. They were raised here. They've been working also with a work permit. They've been contributing. They've been doing all the right things. And then now you're being threatened, you know, that that will be removed, the work permits and everything else. And they would go right back into you know, uh, the entire, you know, undocumented, uh, fearful population of, uh, of immigrants that, you know, are being, are, you know, really going at being going after and detained and deported. So that brings up two issues. I just want to clarify one. And I think this was eye opening for me. 
uh, uh, quite a while back when I first started looking at this issue, is um, everyone keeps having this idea of saying, okay, so you did something illegal, so you have to deal with the consequences. And then you go, well, hold on, there's also another group that didn't make that decision. Let's say they were brought over at one years old. And everyone says, well, we're sending them back. Well, one of the things we talked about off air, Mm -hmm. what do you mean back? I've never been there. Like right. you're sending me to a foreign country and I've never I don't I have no memories of it. I don't right. have any friends there. I, I'm not going back anywhere. You're just sending me to somewhere. Right. Because in my world, all I know is America. And now you made a decision I'm no longer allowed to be here. And I now am being demanded to go create a new life in a new land where I have no ability to take right. care of myself. That fear I mean, because everyone keeps using the word back, and I'm not quite sure sending someone back is always appropriate right. in the conversation. Right. Uh, the other thing that um, that you have had some particular frustration with, and I think was brought up in the article that, that Brian referred to, was that initially the new administration said, this is what we're going to do. Right. And on paper, it was like, okay, we're going to go after the heroin dealer yeah, we're going criminals. after the hardcore thug we're going after the criminals the bad hombres the, the bad hombres <laughs> right we're going after the ones that are making america worse right, right. well then that was not at all well, how it went down and it, it's interesting because from the administration this is what you're hearing from the white house yes uh yet yeah. yeah, it down here locally yes. you're seeing the complete opposite right uh you're you know sensitive areas schools churches for instance uh, ice would not even go near well that's not even true at all they go near schools and they go near churches and we know that for a fact yeah it happened, it happened to you on mother's day <laughs> right. on top of all that and why is what i mean is this a is there why is that happening is this a discretion issue what i mean what what's going on here what i mean what to the extent that you can even say, or that we yeah. even know. I mean, I I, I think it's just this whole um, intimidation, bullying, uh, and now that we know they're not even uh, going back to what they said. They're like, now we're just saying straight up, all immigrants, beware. We're going after you. <laughs> Doesn't matter, you know, if you're not a bad hombre or a bad criminal, we're going to go after you anyway. Well, they had to say that now. And the reason why is because, you know, they were what they had said before. It was not in any way true because they continue to go into sensitive areas. They come on Mother's Day. They park in our parking lot and they basically intimidated our members and our parishioners that are coming into church. So and it was interesting because that day I was in church already. We were just starting our first worship song. And <laughs> one of our members comes up to me. and She says, I think ice is <laughs> In the parking lot. You're like, there's no, there's way. no way. I looked at her and I was like, are you sure? I was like, Re- really? They give like, those they- guys Mother's Day off. Yeah. yeah. And, and then no one would do that. Special program, visitors coming in, and then there's ice, you know, in three vehicles, by the way, unmarked vehicles and full, you know, in full gear. Uh, they were standing even outside, two or three of them of their, their vehicles. Um, so th- it was interesting because the moment I walked out, you know, of the church uh, to see if it was true, and it was when I saw them, I was like, "Oh my goodness!" They got into their cars, they moved, they reversed, and they kind of blocked half of the parking lot as people are coming into church. Still, so I approached one of the vehicles. He opened the window, one of the officers, and I saw ice right on his, you know, the badge right there. And I was like, "Is there a problem, officer? You know, what is going on?" And uh, he said, yeah, we're investigating an individual in the area. I said, I'm the pastor of this church. Oh, I'm sorry. We didn't know it was a church. Uh, I was like, you were like 10 feet away from the sign? (laughs) (laughs) The parking sign was right there in front of you. In front of you. Uh, You You knew it was a church. You knew it was a church. So they drove off. But then when we were back in the service, they came right back and they stayed for a few more minutes. Then they left. And uh, I took it to the media. I took it to the news because I knew that that was the only way, you know, we could definitely put pressure on them not to do that again. Oh, absolutely. Because I had to assure our members that this isn't ever going to happen again, okay? we're gonna, I'm going to fight for you. <laughs> I'm going to do what I can to protect you. If anything, 
you have the right to come to church. Right. You have the right to come to church and worship the Lord. And so it was interesting because we were concerned about how the attendance was going to be the next few Sundays. And uh, it was a challenge. But yeah, we, no one wants to go to yeah, the ICE church. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't, I'd imagine it's that'd like be difficult. ICE is camping out in the parking lot of your <laughs> yeah. church. So, Alex, here's a question for you. I mean, as pastors, we, we end up ministering to people in different seasons of life, in different challenges, sickness, loss, etc., the situation that you find yourself in now and have found yourself in for the last several months is is pretty unique in the sense that, okay, you're ministering to folks who are living their lives with this fear of deportation. Right. That's that's a very particular circumstance they're dealing with. Can you talk a little bit about how, how do you minister the gospel to folks in that position and, and what does the gospel have to say to somebody who is who is having to live their life kind of underneath that cloud hmm. it, it's interesting because uh specifically since the elections um i have had to preach sermon series about hope and about trusting in god and uh and specifically about how if god is for us who can be against us and uh, and God is for you he loves you you are his children uh and i believe it or not i think the biggest challenge has been um it the it's not just the fear of you know the deportation but also believe it or not the concern that our church has from uh, or the concern that they have uh for their brothers and sisters in Christ that are not immigrants I think that's one of the things, you know, and how they're treated and how they're looked at. And it's like, we're family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Though these people are undocumented immigrants, not because they really, that's what they want to be, but yet there are brothers and sisters in Christ. It's one thing that you're looking at them and honoring them because they're the image of God. How much more because they're your family Mm -hmm. in Christ. And that's one of the things that they have been so grieved about. Uh, is how they have been treated. Not they, they understood that they're going to be treated a certain way by citizens of this country, but what really grieves them is how they are being treated by the body of Christ in this nation. And not not the majority, or well, not all, but the majority. But it does, it does happen, yeah. Huh, wow. Uh, that, uh, <clears throat> it's shocking, right? Because you would go, how in the world would you be treated like that in God's house? And yet God's house has been infiltrated with things that um, are not from him, right? Um, unfortunately, politics are running a lot of the church today. And so they're being treated that way due to politics, not Christianity. Right. But it all is coming from the same group. And so it feels yucky all the way around. Right. And that's just unfortunate. And, you know, our, uh, our perspective has been, you know, we are going to love those that hate us. We are going to bless them. We're going to pray for them, and we're going to serve. We're going to love. We're going to do our part in doing what Christ has commanded us to do and being Christ-like to them. And I think that's one of the biggest things of fighting off anger, fighting off resentment. Oh, uh, bitterness. bitterness. So huge. So those are things that, you know, even I had been tempted to feel that way. Many times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can't blame you. Uh, yeah, I don't blame you. And and especially anger has been one of the things that I have felt many times uh, in the past few months. But And and it's funny because right when I'm finally calming down, <laughs> right when I'm finally saying, okay, you know, I'm okay, I'm all right, you know, we're going to, you know, press forward. And all of a sudden something like this happens, like the latest news on the DACA. And I was like, you know, when is this going to stop? It's one thing after another, after another, after another. But yet it hits me first. I have to go back to, you know, back to scripture, back to God, hearing his voice and be able to come back and comfort our people and be able to have a word for them. And it's not as easy as just, you know, hey, we're going to preach a new series this Sunday. I feel like talking about Jonah. No, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it's more like, okay, this is reality here. This is something that's so even life threatening up to a certain point. Yeah. Because you never know what could happen when you're detained, when you're deported, what could happen to you when you if you're deported back. So many things. It's it's just it's unimaginable. And so to actually be a pastor of people that 
they really, really, you know, are afraid that they could be here today, gone tomorrow. What do you tell them? So yeah, those wow, are things I always think about when I'm about to preach on Sunday. Yeah, preaching <laughs> yeah. calendar kind of goes out the window Pretty when uh, this stuff's going on. Here's seven steps to a healthy marriage. Right. You're like, <laughs> uh, I don't even live here uh, anymore. I so uh, I think they they uh, just not they deported my they husband. They deported my like, husband. How am I going to work on my marriage? Yeah, yeah. Seven find steps. a book on that in the Christian bookstore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably not. Um, I, I I wanted to make sure that before we move any any further forward, because I think we're going to get into some other practical pieces. But I wanted to kind of recap for our listeners uh, something that's on my heart uh, that I hope that we're all hearing. So. I understand this is a complicated issue when it gets into economics and boundaries and policies and stuff like that. Cool. I get that. But what I think is so important for me, for us to get out of this, is as a believer, we need to realize that, first of all, our mindset, we are coming from a place of privilege. We're coming from a place of safety, making comments on something that is unsafe for someone else. So right off the bat, there needs to be a humility. There Mm. needs to be a, well, hold on. Is your life in danger? Okay, then how about we cool our jets for a second and start talking a little bit more gentle? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So first of all, the humility. The The second thing is, is appreciating they're not statistics that the vast majority are good people wanting to do it right, hardworking, right. and they live lives of fear and loss all the time because it's not like, oh, you're coming and you're taking my stuff and now your life right. is awesome and my life is worse. That is garbage. That is actually not what's occurring. Um, And so what I would hope for is when we get into the further discussions about what's best wisdom-wise, boundaries, policy, that it would be done with a certain compassion, that it would be done with a deeper level of wisdom, not a surface level of wisdom. So kind of before we moved on, I kind of want to just kind of, you guys, can we recap real quick for a moment that... Everybody may not agree with everything that we're going to say, even right. further on, but dang, there's a certain basic level that we've got to have humility, we've got to have compassion, we've got to have understanding, and please listen more than we're talking. You understand what I'm saying? Which just sounds dumb because I'm on a podcast. But anyway. <laughs> and you know, uh, that, that's that been huge for me. Uh, I'm a citizen. I was born and raised in the U.S., yes. so I don't fully understand. No. And though I shepherd them, though I pastor this church, I, I'm always in learning mode yeah. all the time. Yes. I'm always listening and learning and trying to understand where they're coming from instead of cast judgment and try to con- uh, contextualize them and where they're at and what they're trying to do. And instead, I need to listen. I need to learn. I need to understand. That's compassion. Yes. Like, we got to listen. We got to learn. We got to understand where these people are coming from, what they're feeling, what they're going through. It's their reality. Well, so this is what it made me think of is um, I don't know how many conversations I had growing up where people would talk about um, criminal offenses and they'd go, Can you believe that guy only got five years? Unless you've been in jail. Right. You have no idea what five years means. That's a long time. So in other words, theoretically, you go, dude, that guy only got five years. And you go, okay, hold on. You're going to be in a small room where you have no rights for five years. Most of us can't do something for a week. We can't even do 30 days to reset a new habit. Five years. The first time I walked into a jail in order to – I was with a coworker trying to help encourage her because her, her boyfriend got um, – Uh, caught for something. And I was going in to help her do a face-to-face visit. Listening to the door shut behind me, walking the line, constantly getting frisked and watched over was the first time I went, oh my gosh, this is so scary. And so when we say something like deportation, Mm. it's one thing to say a word. It's another thing to walk an experience. And it's just crazy how much we throw out words lightly as if they don't have ramifications or it's not. And they go, no, 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 I get it. It's important. No, you don't. Right. Did you walk through it? Have you ever been in a cage? Have you ever, you know? And so anyway, I just wanted to bring in there's something deeper to live than simply to talk about. Yeah, it's like uh, so true. I had one of our members, uh, father of a family. He was detained. This was several years, several years ago. <clears throat> he was detained for a month, not knowing if he was going to be deported or not. Can you imagine? 
Gosh. Taking, you're in jail. You're in jail. You're sitting there for an entire month, not for, in, in essence, a crime that you committed that you've done wrong to society. Yet, you know, he's a working man, a good father, a uh, church-going you know, yeah. member of a church, you know, active, and then he gets arrested for, I think it was a taillight or what, I don't remember what the situation was. It was a traffic violation, and he gets taken in. He gets detained for an entire month. Check this out. Family cannot see him wow. for an entire month, not knowing at all what's going to happen Every to him. moment of that month, you don't know what's coming the next moment. No. Or for the rest of your life, for that or, matter. No, you'd, and he didn't, he didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, you know, he wasn't presented before a judge, and that's another thing, too. He was waiting to be presented before a judge. Uh, the process kept on being delayed over and over and over, and at the same time, I know this is for another talk, but at the same time, he was being taken advantage of in that de- detention center, you know, and working for the privatized detention center. <laughs> so then a month later, we prayed a lot for him during that month. And um, thankfully, you know, he was released and he came back to his family. But he said there was many there that were not. They were either deported or sent to another detention center across the country. And that's another thing, too. Imagine families going having to go across the country just to be able to meet up with them, at least for their, you know, their trial. Or if not their trial, at least they're present, you know, when they uh, are presented with the judge and, you know, to talk about what they're going to do with them. It's like waiting. It's like waiting four weeks for uh, if you have cancer or not. It's like you're holding your breath the entire time, whether or not you're going to get a death sentence. Right. Yeah. Um, one last thing I wanted to share, and then uh, by all means, Brian, take our conversation wherever you want to take it because cool. we're running out of time. Yep. But um, one thing I want everyone else to recognize uh, as well as far as ramifications is it's one thing where you go, well, you know what? All right, they're going to go round up illegal immigrants. First of all, how do you know an illegal immigrant by sight? And if you don't know them by sight, how are you going to round them up? Because here's the other thing. I remember growing up in the 80s, and every movie was, like, against the Russians. Like, we always change our enemy. You all remember that? And the one way you knew that the good guys were over in the bad country were when they said the phrase, your papers, please. Do you remember this? They would always go, Mm -hmm. your papers, please. Because wherever they would go, you had to get present legitimacy for why you're allowed to be here. Now, this is what I'm trying to bring in. It's one thing that you you recognize the minute you start going, we don't want illegals here, you all of a sudden scrutinize everyone Hispanic. Right. You scrutinize every because how are you gonna know? So now we're back to your papers, please. That means if you look Hispanic, <clears throat> I need right. you to be stopped and you have to legitimize your reason to be here different than someone else. And I personally have known a couple illegal immigrants that were not Hispanic, personally. They were from a completely different country, and they were white and everything else. Well, once again, now you get it back into the scrutiny issue. It's not like it only affects a tiny group of people. This has wider ramifications of do you want to live in a country where you justify being here, and at all times you carry a passport on you? That's craziness because they're doing roundups. Right, it's racial profiling. It's yeah, yeah, and that's. Imp- I feel like that is impossible for if you have not experienced that. I think it's impossible to relate to and understand the level of stress that brings to your everyday life. Right? Oh, you walk out without your papers. You walk out with this. Now you're getting detained. Now you're getting questioned. I can tell you that people go. Well, all I did was get stopped by the police. You know how much I panic when I get stopped by the police, <laughs> dude. I'm a I'm a middle aged white guy, and I'm panicked when I get stopped by the police. I'm like, oh shoot, something bad is gonna happen. The minute it goes, you hear that sound, right? Whoop, whoop, you know, or whatever, and the lights hit, you're like, oh shoot, I'm gonna die. Right. Okay. Now make it real. Yeah. That's so unsettling. Right. Anyway, there is something other than a ticket that could come that could come that from could this. Come from this. And the thing is, is that's nothing. That's nothing against. Police, for example. It's That's not. nothing against anybody. They're doing their They're job. They're doing their job. But when the job requires this level of, of profiling and it creates this level of, of, I mean, angst is not a strong enough word right. in individuals of a particular ethnicity yeah, or terror. anything of that nature. That's that exactly. It is absolutely terror. And I, and I, I love the fact that where this conversation has gone has been so far away from the theoretical and just whether it's sharing these just 
unbelievable personal stories to just some of the stuff that you were sharing a moment ago, Lance, to help us see that if we're looking at this as just an issue, if, I mean, just even consider the phrase, we're going to round up illegals, hmm. how incredible beyond insensitive right. first of all we're, we're going to talk about rounding up human beings yeah, yeah. and so we're that's gonna, a cattle herd exactly. cattle that's exactly what is what, what is, it sounds like we're going to round up the cattle and yeah and and <clears throat> i mean that is classic psychological warfare right there right? right it's every war in the history of wars you've referred to the enemy by some sort of derogatory nickname so you can dehumanize right them, you dehumanize right? exactly it's the exact same way and when we're de- when we dehumanize uh, we we desensitize ourselves to the real human suffering, and and I think desensitize ourselves to to our ability to look through the Jesus lens at all of this. Mm-hmm. So now uh, it's kind of a maybe beginning to sort of land the plane here. Uh, Alex, we spoke at the beginning. We warned you this question was coming, and you said it's a tough one. Good information about how to really <laughs> understand what's going on, because obviously uh, we're gonna. It, it, I find it alarming an increasing majority of folks are getting their quote unquote news from kind of the fringe. Right. Uh, a lot of people don't <clears throat> trust uh, the mainstream media just because the fringe attacks the mainstream media so much. And that's, I mean, that's another conversation for another day. But where, if I'm a person who says, okay, I, first of all, I want to understand the facts of what's going on in our immigration system. Mm-hmm. There's So one question, where does that person go? And then a second thing is, okay, I'm a Christ follower who I want to detach myself from secular labels, conservative, liberal, Republican, Democrat, et cetera, et cetera. I want to think through this in a Christ-like manner. Where can I go for resourcing in that? So two kind of different questions. Wow. <laughs> Easy piece of cake, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Could you, I mean, I don't, to, the, to the extent you can, can you speak to those? Wow. Uh, first of all, all media for me is hit and miss. Yeah. Uh, where and the reason why I say that is because there are some articles that really engage in what uh, the need is, and it's it's it has a compassionate tone, uh, and it has nothing to do with and how you look at it. You know, it's a left or a right type of article. It's basically something that aligns to the values of scripture, yeah. and that's the whole point. So it, there really isn't a a source that's out there that you can say go here. Sure. And you're going to find exactly what you're looking for. This, you know, this will influence you completely. And I think that that's the hard part about what's going on. Uh, and I think that has a lot to do with, you know, the administration and what's happening in our country. Um, and the media tends to see things in totally different, you know, lenses. So we have to be wise in how we look at, you know, the articles that are out there in the media. I think even it's interesting because even when we go to, uh, for instance, one of um the articles that I sent to you, I think, was even uh, from uh, ICE, ICE's website. And it's right. interesting because even from ICE's website, it gives you accurate information of, uh, statistically speaking, mm-hmm. of what's really going on. And they're not afraid oh, yeah. to even say, <laughs> we're rounding them all up, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that's one area. But I think that what you guys are doing here, these types of podcasts— um, for instance, I've believe it or not, this is the third podcast that I do, and uh, I think I'm going to do another one in the future. <laughs> uh, and there's you know more that are to come, which I think are really big to be able to bring a, a, per, a biblical perspective to the church, uh, to the body of Christ. For instance, when these are posted on social media, these are things that need to be spread out and shared so that people will be able to understand, hey, if you're not hearing from people that are working with immigrants, here is a podcast that definitely will help you understand, give you another perspective, even if you don't agree 100%, but just listen to it. Yeah, Challenge yourself with that. So I think that that's one of the things, it's, it's hard to say this is the exact place. And just second, really quick, I think that it's really key to be able to uh, find people and engage immigrants and, en- and hear their stories. Hear their stories, or people that are working with immigrants, hear their stories. It really will give you a compassionate and understanding perspective. Yeah. Alex, thank you so much for being here. Um, uh, I know that, you know, there's a million more things you probably want to say, and I think that we could talk here probably all day long. Um, I think we hit a couple key pieces. I think you brought the heart and a face to it. Um, I'm thankful for what you do. I think I've been able to tell you that off mic. It has nothing to do with being on mic. Um, but 
I just want to appreciate your ministry to people that feel unappreciated or forgotten. Um, I, I think that I, I don't care where people stand on this issue. Jesus ministers to the people that are in the margins. Amen. And, and so you reflect Jesus in that way, and I need you to know that. So anyway, just from other pastors in the area, we appreciate you. We think that you're doing a wonderful job. Thank you for everything that you do, yeah, and thank, thank you to thanks Liz. Thanks so much for your words. Yeah. Thanks. Oh, it, it's, it's awesome. Uh, everybody, to all the, the listeners out there, you know what? Um, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. We're talking about some serious issues. Um, we want to get a little bit more general next week, so we want to invite you to listen. And I know it's in two weeks, but to me, it feels ne- like next week. It actually is next week. Oh. This is a fifth Tuesday, so we'll have another episode next week because it's a first Tuesday. Well, that's probably why Brian does all these announcements, huh? <laughs> anyway, uh, so next week, we're going to have our very own uh, worship leader, Jake Owen, and he's going to be coming in and talking about music, movies, and culture. So we're going to really dive into the arts and figure out how we need to be engaging culture, what maybe our culture is saying, and what our response would be to it. Have a wonderful, wonderful week, and we will be seeing you next time. Thank you for listening to Engaging Culture, a podcast by Bridgeway Christian Church. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. Music is used under the Creative Commons license and is provided by Dexter Britton.